I don't know if you've ever heard of an app called HQ. Um, it's relatively new. It kind of it came out a few months ago. It kind of created a buzz for a moment. It's actually a, a trivia game, a, an online trivia game. You can jump on, and two times a day, they actually have a game where you can answer questions, and they have a series of 12 questions. And if you get all 12 questions right, you actually get a cash prize, which is pretty cool. So I was inspired by uh, H the HQ app, and I thought, you know what, it'd be fun. How about we do a trivia game this morning? There's a couple exceptions. I only have eight questions, and guess what? There's no cash, <laughs> okay? But I thought it'd be kind of fun if we did a Bible trivia game, okay? So this is a, a who am I game. So w are you willing to play along, okay? It's not hard. I think uh, hopefully you'll, you'll get it and uh, understand what I'm saying. The first uh, question, who am I? I am a shepherd boy, a giant slayer, king, adulterer, murderer, and psalm writer. David. Yeah, very good. You're in. How many, how many got that right? Okay, we're in. Now, if you didn't, it's okay. You're in. Okay, just stay, stay with me. There's lots of grace in this game, so you stay in. Number two, here's one. Who am I? I am a stutterer, a murderer, and the receiver of the Ten Commandments. Moses, very good. You guys are awesome. Great. Okay, stay in. Stay with me. Number three. This one's a little challenging. I am a suicidal prophet who raised a widow's son from the dead. Mm. Elijah. Very good. Okay. So if you're if you're if you miss that one, you're back in. Okay. Okay. You're back. Number four. I'm a young beauty who rose to queen and helped to uncover a deep state plot to kill God's people. Mm. Esther, very good. Guys, we're, we're doing good, okay? You're all right. You're back in. Number five, I'm a fiery preacher who ate honey and locusts and baptized Jesus. John the Baptist, okay. You win, okay, no, here, number, number six, I'm a long-haired, arrogant womanizer who served as a judge of Israel. Good, I heard it. Samson, okay, good job, okay. Back in, I think everyone will get this, okay. Hang with me. I'm a pregnant teenager who gave birth in a manger. Mary, all right, yes. And number eight, I'm a brother to Mary and Martha who was dead for four days before being raised to life. Lazarus. I mean, isn't it incredible? That's what I love about the Bible. These people are real people. These are not made-up fictional characters like, you know, the Marvel Universe or, you know, the Star Wars saga. This, these are actual historical people who lived and breathed and died just like you and me. And the Bible is full of those kinds of stories, full of people who were heroic, people who failed miserably, people who bounced back from adversity, people who were weak and broken and afraid and depressed and happy and, and jovial and misguided. And yet, God used them. In fact, he wove their story into his story, into this beautiful tapestry, if you will, of his story of redemption. And it is a powerful and beautiful thing. 
And so in this story, in this series of, of messages over these last few weeks, we've been getting after this idea that we believe it's incredibly important, first of all, to understand who God is and his story, but it's also really important for us to understand who we are and to know our story. In fact, it is this idea of double knowledge, if you will, and that's not a term that any one of the teachers made up. That was a term that was written of in the 1500s by John Calvin. He talked about this idea of double knowledge, this, this idea that I can know God, and the more that I know God, the more I can know myself. And as I know myself deeper and better, I can know God better. And so we believe a mark of maturity is that, to grow in these two different ways. To grow to know God and to know ourselves. In fact, it's what the ancients, those who've gone before us, they said, they said it this way. They said, it's good to live an examined life. And they pulled those themes out of Scripture. For instance, Lamentations 3, verse 40 says this. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. So to live an examined life, in other words, to know our stories is truly important. To understand where we've been and, and where God has intersected with our lives. And so this morning, I want to suggest some reasons why I think it's so important for you and for me to understand our own story. And the first reason is this. It invites us to learn. It invites us to learn. In so many ways, we are products of our own past, right? I think about this. I think about my, my grandfather. I mean, my family used to accuse him of walking so stiff, and he was so tight that he, he squeaked when he walked, okay? Why was that? It wasn't just because he was Dutch. He actually grew up in, in the Great Depression, Okay? And he watched his father lose his farm and everything that he had. And he had to start completely over. Well, guess what? He was frugal with his money. And he squeaked when he walked because he had seen and experienced all that had happened around his family. Well, guess what? Sometimes my own kids accuse me of what? Being tight and stiff and squeaking when I walk. Why? Because I learned some things. You know, it's good to know, why is it that you do what you do? Why do you value the things that you value? Why do you say some of the things that you say? Why do you act certain ways in certain situations? Because all of us have a family of origin. All of us have other social influences. Or we have a historical context or circumstances that all give shape to who we become. And it's important to understand, in my own story, my own story of sexual brokenness, I had to go back, and I had to learn some things. And here's what I learned. I learned that whole arena in my life, in my parents' life, was a source of, of pain and embarrassment and disappointment. Why? Well, my mom was young when she was pregnant with my brother, out of wedlock. And they weren't treated so kindly. So guess what? And I can't blame them for this. We did not talk about it. 
We didn't talk about that whole arena of life. You know what I did? I took that sort of part of my life and my story and I put a big box on it and I put it on a shelf and I said, you know what, that's over there. I don't talk about that. Until the walls got, sort of got blown off of it and I had to deal with it. I learned some things. Sometimes in our own story, we have to go back, we have to understand where, where have we been? Why do we act the way we do? Why do we do what we say we do? Or value certain things. I want us to read from Philippians chapter three, just for a moment, to kind of highlight some of this. The Apostle Paul is one of the prominent figures in the New Testament, okay? He has written, he wrote 13 of the, of the books of the New Testament, and in chapter three of Philippians, he tells some of his story, okay? And he's trying, he's actually looking back and he's saying, here's what I did, here's what I trusted in, here's what I was. It starts in Philippians chapter three, verse four. He says this, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Here's what he's saying. You know, I, I look back and I was trusting in, I was, I was trusting in this idea that if I was a good Jew, and if I was a Jew's Jew, and if I pursued the law and I did all the right thing, then I would be okay with God. And so, therefore, as being a good Jew and following the law as I intended to be, that's why I did what I did. In fact, he sought to persecute and kill Christians because they were a deviant and they were make a, making a mockery of God and this idea of Messiah. He was learning. And then he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? and things change. But sometimes we have to look back to understand where we've been. I'll never forget uh, leading a journey class. This was a few years ago. And um, a gentleman signed up for the class. Of course, the journey is, is the journey class that we've, many of you have done, and I'd encourage you to consider being a part of that. But I was leading this class, and this gentleman signs up. He's, he's a big guy. He actually played football for Western Michigan. And I thought, oh boy, this is gonna be bad. I mean, he is, uh, I don't even know how to describe him. He was very soft-spoken, but, but extremely cynical and critical. I thought, boy, what is he gonna do to the dynamics of this group? It's gonna be not so good, and I was really concerned. But I remember we jumped into the class and he was there. I mean, he was fiercely loyal to the class. He engaged in the class. And then we were going through this section where we're working on our stories, our narratives. And I will never forget this moment. He is actually sharing his narrative. He wanted to be the first to share. And he, he shares this story. He said, yeah, my mom was sick with cancer. It was my senior year. I'm 17 years old. I'm being recruited by several different colleges and universities. My mom dies the Monday of homecoming week. On Thursday, we buried her. And Friday, I played football. And the very next sentence was, and I will never, ever miss one of my daughter's events. 
and tears were just streaming down his face. It's like God was doing something in him and releasing something in him. And, and all this pain and all this disappointment and all this anger came to the surface. And it was just released in that moment. And there were light bulbs going off for me. Wow, I had no idea that he had done, gone through that. But man, it explained a whole lot to me. And I think in that moment, it explained a whole lot to him too. And he was released and freed. And you could just see it in him. It was an amazing moment. We need to know our story because we can learn from our story. We can learn from it. We also can know and remember that as we learn, we we are recipients of God's sovereign grace. Now think about this. I've told this before, but for many years, I had a sort of disdain, unfortunately, for my growing up in the church. I didn't appreciate it all that much. And as I looked back and worked on my own story, as I looked back on my past, I began to see all of these connections and all of these ways in which God was really laying a foundation for me in ways that I had no idea when I was growing up. But as an adult, I could see he put certain things or certain people in my life that were really an expression of grace. One incident I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. I remember this is a pivotal moment in my faith journey. I actually uh, caught my brother. <laughs> I went down to our, his bedroom in the basement of our house. I opened the door and I caught him on his bed. You know what he's doing? He was reading his Bible. And I opened the door. I thought, I was so taken aback, I just stood there for a second, and I just stepped back and closed the door. I didn't know what to do. And I walked away, and I thought, wow. This is really important to him. Something about that changed me. And it became something where I was like, I have to take this seriously. This whole faith thing became really serious in that moment, that one little moment that I had no idea. And yet it was God's hand, his sovereign grace. Or I think about how many times as I look back that God's extended mercy to me in my life. He, he, there's no way, I mean, I should be alive about five times I can think in my life. But simply because of God's grace. Or there are so many ways in which the consequences of what should have happened or could have happened didn't happen because of his mercy. When we know our story, we're invited to learn about our past, about God's sovereign grace in our life. In fact, Psalm 105 says this, remember the wondrous works he has done, all of his marvelous works and the justice he declared. We are to remember It's amazing when you take the time, you'll begin to connect some dots and see where God has been working. Here's the second reason why I think it's important for us to know our own story. It helps us see destiny preparation moments. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, let me read a verse from Esther. She was one of the answers to our Bible trivia game. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position 
for such a time as this. Now let me give you a little context to that verse, okay? Esther is, grew up a, a, in a Jewish family, a Jewish home. As a young girl, she grew up in this. And then the king, the king at the time, actually had a beauty contest in all of the land. And uh, Esther was beautiful. She was a beautiful young, young woman. And she was invited to this beauty contest. And she won. She won Miss World. And guess what? The king got to claim her because she won. And he invited her to be queen, which is an amazing thing. Nothing like the vanity of the king, right? But she becomes queen. And her uncle Mordecai hears of a story of one of the top advisors to the king having this evil plot to destroy the Jews. And he goes to her and says, Esther, maybe God's put you here for just such a time as this. Can you tell the king? And you know what she does? Absolutely not, Mordecai. I'm not going there. If I do that, I will die. And she refuses. But then the story unfolds. And over and over again, she hears of this plot, and eventually she gets the courage to, to tell the king and expose Haman, this evil advisor. But it was this moment where Mordecai spoke a word, a vision, if you will, of what her life could be. Now, I wonder how many of you, if you were thinking about this, could say there was somebody in your life who spoke a word of encouragement to you. And that's why you are where you are. Maybe in your career or what things you chose to pursue in life. I know I had a moment like that. I had a pastor as a, as a young adult, a young teenager. He gave me a hug and he spoke into my ear. He said, Brian, someday I think you'd be a good pastor. I really kind of floored me. But I remember it. I don't know if you know, uh, some of you know my oldest daughter, Lydia. She's, uh, we moved and she was off to college. Well, she's been on a journey and she's the one person in our, in our family. She keeps uh, Giselle and I on her knees in a good way, right? But she is a free spirit. And she just moved about a month ago to China, to Shenzhen, China, to teach English. And when she had this idea and she was telling us this, this idea that she wanted to go, I thought, you are absolutely crazy. Why do you want to go? It's so far away, and I, I could give every excuse for her not to go. Okay? And then Giselle and I started kind of talking and reminiscing, and, and, I, and I swear this was true. Every time we went to a Chinese restaurant, Lydia would collect all of the little fortunes, those little white pieces of paper that come in fortune cookies, you know? She would collect them all. And she would literally put them in her journal. And she would learn all of these Chinese words and phrases, which she found out are not true, by the way. <laughs> but she has a collection in this journal. It's like this destiny moment. Like, yes, that makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you? There are moments probably in your life or someone spoke a word, or you had this sort of dream, and God was preparing you. It's good to remember that. It's good to know that. 
Here's another reason why I think you need to know your story. We need to know our stories. It provides the possibility for change. It provides the possibility for change. I want to go back to Paul. Remember, Paul is looking back. He's saying, you know what, this is who I was. I was pursuing this. I was putting my trust in the wrong things. And then, of course, he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You you can read about that in Acts chapter 9. It's an amazing thing, and it transforms his life. And I want to read the next section of Philippians. Now, I know this is kind of long, but here's what I want you to pay attention. Pay attention to the passion. Pay attention to the words, what Paul is saying. Just for a moment. Remember, he's a Jew's Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was pursuing this righteousness by the law. And then he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's like Paul is saying this. I look back on my life. This is who I was. This is what was driving me. And then I had this encounter with Jesus and everything changed. And I look back. I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to pursue that anymore. And he says, I've joined myself with Jesus and now I have a new future. And I'm going to pursue this future Do you hear that message of good news? Your life, if if you've made mistakes, if you've made choices, if you've done all of these things, it doesn't have to be in the past. (laughs) You don't have to live there anymore. You don't have to be that person anymore. You can become something new. In fact, Paul said to me, now to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've joined myself with Jesus and he put me on a new trajectory. And that's the life I want to live. That's the life I'm on. That's the path I'm on. To know your story is to also know that there is hope and there is help and there is freedom in Jesus It provides a possibility for change. Here's the last thing I want to share. Why you should know your story. It allows us to share in the redemptive work of Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now oftentimes it seems like I encounter people who get all 
wonked out about verses like this. They somehow think that God's calling them to do something that, you know, they have to have all the right answers. They have to have some theological, like, presentation figured out in order to be witnessing. That's not what this verse says. So I, I just want you to witness. I want you to bear witness. I want, to tell, I want you to tell your story. Just tell your story of what God has done in you so that others might see this God who, who loves them and cares for them, and it exposes them to the good news, the, the gospel of Jesus. Just tell your story. Why is it that we as a church take three weeks, usually in the spring, where we do this thing called stories from the seats? Why? It's so that people can tell their story. So they can tell people, look, here's what God's done in my life. This is what I've learned. And I want you to know what he can do for you. That's what it means to be about working in this, this redemptive work of Christ. Let me just remind you of some things. Jacob was a liar and a cheater. Peter was a betrayer and had a temper. David was an adulterer. Noah, a drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul, a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. Here's the deal, friends. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And all he wants is the raw material of your life and he will shape it and mold it into this beautiful thing that he will use to his glory and for your good. Are you willing just to say, here you go, God. Here's my, the mess of my life. Just take it. Please, God. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for your love for us. Lord, there's not a single thing in, in, this, in our lives that you don't know, that you don't understand, and yet you continue to love us. God, that, that is such a powerful thing. Lord, help us to have the courage to step forward in faith and to trust you and to believe that you can redeem even us, that you can shape even the mess of our lives and turn it into something beautiful. God, I pray that um, we might take some of those steps towards you today. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.